You are listening to the oneofus.net podcast network. One of Us is a podcast and video network funded all but entirely by donations and subscriptions. We do accept pitches for audio-based or banner ads, but on a case-by-case basis. If you are interested in that, contact us at oneofusnet at gmail.com. With the amount of audio and video content we generate, it is expensive and extremely time-consuming to keep things running. Please go to the webpage oneofus.net and sign up for a subscription at 2 5 10 or $25 and get a ton of bonus content. One of us needs and appreciates all your support. Previously on Loki... (laughs) Sylvie fractured the sacred timeline and unleashed the hell across the multi. Wait, no, 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 no. Hold on. Sorry, sorry. Wrong, wrong show. Is uh, it? Uh, Miles Morales gets bitten by a glitchy <laughs> spider. Nope. God damn it. I'm sorry. Of course, I'm. It's hard to get all these multiverses. This in is order. the weirdest sequel to the one I've ever seen. I am, of course, thinking of the multiverse story starring the great Michelle Yao, where she plays a honorable Starfleet captain, but is also the evil <laughs> emperor of the mirror universe. Wait, no. Fuck. Still wrong multiverse. Guys, these are all the same movie. In case you haven't figured it out, we are talking about a multiverse movie. This is not the first or last multiversal property you're going to see this year, but it might be one of the best ones. Mm. I'm talking about the brand new film from Daniels, which is actually two people, uh, Dan Kwan and Daniel Scheinert. They just call themselves the Daniels, probably because Steely Dan was already taken. (laughs) To help me talk about this movie, I am joined by Ben. I am not a pinata. Not today you are. (laughs) Not here. But just wait until I see you with a stick. I'm also joined by Frank. Hello, I am not throwing a Chinese New Year's party, but I'll go to one if you are. I'm sure there's one going on somewhere. And Bo. Hello. Yes, the Daniels are the archers of the 21st century. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. I'm trying to imagine the archers directing this. The Technicolor would be superb. Uh, Life and Death of Colonel Blimp would star an actual fucking blimp. uh, Because those guys could get weird. I'm sure by now you've heard the buzz about this uh, film. It came out a few... A few days ago, really, a week ago, maybe, at South by Southwest, it has got nothing but praise. It is kind of hard to describe without going into spoilers, but we're going to do our level best to uh, review this without ruining it, because honestly, the colder you go into this, I think the more you'll enjoy it. It's almost harder to spoil, because it's just so elaborately deep that it mm-hmm. i mean i feel like we've all agreed as we walked out, it's like we probably need to watch this at least one more time if not like three more times uh, yeah to pick up a couple on of everything. times yeah just to see the just the, the scope of it and you know it leaves your head spinning in the best possible way i was saying it's like it's like getting sucker punched in a really really good way by all like you know action and hilarity and emotion it's it's a lot it's a lot of goodness. It is everything, everywhere, all at once. I mean, they tell you up front, that's what they give you. But to kind of just give a very rough synopsis of what's happening, Michelle Yao is Evelyn Wang. She runs a family laundromat. Uh, she is a Chinese immigrant living in America with a very sweet but uh, kind of a sad sack husband 
played by a guy I never thought I'd ever see on screen again. Yes. <laughs> Kehui Kwan, uh, who plays Waymond Wang. You probably know him from The Goonies or Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. Had a long time away from the screen, but he's back, and aren't we glad to have him back? Mm-hmm. They have a teenage daughter named Joy, who is played by Stephanie Hsu. Really, this whole story takes place kind of in the course of one day, and largely uh, in the IRS office, where they're going to uh, talk to Deidre Bobirda. Bobirda. I, yeah. I love that character's name. That just says so much about that kind of woman you're dealing with. <laughs> Deirdre Bobirda, uh, a very stern uh, representative of the IRS, played by the legendary Jamie Lee Curtis. In the middle of the audit, she gets a strange message from her husband, who is suddenly... Not her husband, but her husband from another universe. He gives her some instructions and some Bluetooth headphones going, hey, follow these instructions and I'll tell you more. And once she does that, she finds that she is in two universes at once. And uh, apparently there is some great evil that is hunting all of the Evelyns in all of the known universes. And it is up to this particular Evelyn to save the universe. Well the done. universe says. <laughs> I mean, that sounds batshit crazy, but it's no crazier than all the other multiverse stories that we've been getting lately. And it's always about, hey, what happens in this universe affects the other universe. And if we don't save this one, we could end up losing them all. What a catastrophe. I feel like it's a pretty played out concept, but this does something genuinely fresh with the material. This multiverse could have been saved if Ant-Man went up Jobu Tupaki's ass, right? <laughs> that's what the multiverse was saved by? Well, you know, that's for the sequel. There is some multiverse where Kenwi <laughs> Kwan is Data and he teams up with Josh Brolin as his character from the Goonies and they have to fight Thanos. I, I'd pay to see that. No, I, I, I'm just picturing it now. I would pay right now for that. I would pay to see that in a heartbeat. I, I think one thing that needs to be stated you know, maybe ahead of this, but it's too late now, so beyond <laughs> it, is that despite all the convolution that you may be feeling here, this is an eminently accessible movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, it really presents its case to the audience very easily. Uh, you're swept up on, in it, and the thing I really loved about this movie, and I know this is kind of a silly thing because this is what all movies are supposed to do, but it's entertaining. It is dealing with a lot of sci-fi material that would seem like it could get bogged down in, but it doesn't. It keeps you on your toes, and it amuses the hell out of you. Then it really sets sets you up for a really incredibly great emotional catharsis. Yeah, I think the emotion of it is what works best. I mean, there's like... It's you know there's so much like so many different kinds of love stories going on here. It's between you know father and a daughter, a husband and a wife, a mother and a daughter, and it's just they all work. And you know I, that was something I wasn't counting. I don't know what I was expecting walking into this, except that everyone loved it and that it would be pretty trippy, pretty sci-fi. But it's not alienating in any way. It, it, it you know the the emotion that you get hit with in the latter half was so touching. It was, it was, it was so real. It was so fresh. It's not like an, a, an authentic moment in this thing. I did not expect to cry in this movie coming in. Yeah. <laughs> um, like I joked about it at the beginning, like this plot, especially if you watch the trailer, you're like, okay, so this is like the more psychedelic, but creative version of the one, but it's not, it's, <laughs> it's such a movie about understanding yourself as a person in looking mm-hmm. at yourself 
through every lens possible. That's the best way I can say without spoiling anything in this movie. Like there's so much that is like you have to experience this film to get everything about it. And Michelle Yao has just always been a standout actress. I mean, it's amazing how little American cinema has really respected her. She really has been amazing in everything. If you watch anything, especially from other countries and other, you know, other uh, film uh, cinema, like you pick up on that. She just shines here playing herself in Mm. so many different ways in the same one character, still in the same way all at once. And it's just such a depth to her performance that it does bring a lot to this. She's definitely a grounding element. I love what the fuck movies. Uh, I love repo man and sorry to bother you Mm -hmm. uh, are two great, stand-up examples and this movie certainly has elements of that but yeah it it really transcends itself uh just a because it is very emotional and real despite its sci-fi trappings and it 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 really keeps you in the moment you never get to what the fuck it's you're more like what the oh wait no i'm i'm back in what's going on Mm -hmm. yeah once they throw the rules out it's like okay anything can happen and that's really genuinely kind of refreshing because you know people get really hung up on spoilers i understand we're trying not to spoil this movie but most of the things that constitute spoilers when you hear them are like well, yeah, that tracks. I mean, that's that's a thing that would happen. I'm I'm not at all surprised by that. But this movie just keeps throwing one weird thing after another at you, and it is surprising how coherent it is because it mm. is playing with these concepts that are very popular right now in mainstream blockbuster cinema, but it also has this sort of heart and intimacy that you expect from, say, an independent art house feature. And it really has the best of both worlds. Best of both worlds, yeah. I mean, imagine if Avengers had been directed by Michel Gondry. <laughs> and maybe you get an idea of what I'm talking I about. I mean, this is produced by the Russos, so it's kind of hilarious that that's... Well, Michel Gondry uh, directed Green Hornet, and we saw how that played out. So maybe that's not the, that was not the best. Because thing. they didn't give him a multiverse movie, damn it. There you go, probably. Yeah. But there is a point in this movie when you just think, um, like I'm not gonna try. I'm not gonna try even attempt to predict what's gonna happen next in this in this film. Like this, it's it's one of those rare things where you can um, not get ahead get get ahead of the film, which is I think the tendency to do more and more uh, every time we see something. I love that this is a film that you really can just you know you are really just strapped in, and it is a roller coaster. And I, I know it's a cliche thing to say about a movie about movies that do a lot of things, but this one really is. Its architecture is not easy to sort of track, and and I love that. I don't think I've I've had that kind of experience with a film in a long in a long long time where I just I, I you know I was like all right I I'm strapped in, and you guys you guys have me, and whatever you're gonna do, I'm just gonna go with. I think the the visual style is is really incredible here. Uh, for those of you who may not be familiar with Daniel's previous film, Swiss Army Man, uh, they directed the uh, the viral video for Turn Down for What. Uh, which featured like people just literally falling through a building uh, and then everybody getting up and dancing and then <laughs> falling again and dancing. And it, it went very viral for, for a while there. And there are elements of that style for sure, unmistakable elements. But they're combining this also with a lot of martial arts stuff that is straight out of the Jackie Chan uh, playbook and even kind of exceeds it in, in some ways, uh, probably because <laughs> I... 
I probably feel more for these characters than I've ever felt for a Jackie Chan character. <laughs> yes. <laughs> there, there's a fight scene that explaining the impetus of why there's the keep away going on, which is a very Jackie Chan trope is ruining the whole scene for you if, until you see it in the moment when your brain realizes what they're trying to keep away from each other is brilliant. <laughs> and it's something they tease earlier. It's like a, it's the weirdest Chekhov's gun I could ever describe to a person. It's brilliant. Yeah. When you said Chekhov's gun, it triggered, I, no pun intended. <laughs> uh, it triggered a thought a in my mind bunch. because everything in this movie, no matter how random it seems, does pay off. It should be noted that all of the, main characters play multiple versions of themselves usually in the same scene sometimes in the same shot and there's a wonderful lo-fi quality to a lot of the effects work and the uh, physical staging of these combat scenes it's all very effective it's all quality but this doesn't feel like you know an orgy of cg it feels like real people in an environment using, you know, more creative ideas. There's something very playful and inventive in how they stage everything. And every random little thing pays off in the end. Even the characters, the variant characters we meet, because we haven't mentioned this, not unlike the Matrix, you can kind of download skills. If there's a version of you in another universe that is excellent in martial arts, you can tap into their skill. Any skill they have may seem kind of weird or not necessarily useful, but by God, at the end, all of those weird skills end up coming into play here, and they're all beautifully set up. Uh, yeah, and it, it should also be pointed out that, first of all, you, you get Michelle Yao, who's a, an amazing martial artist, uh, you mm-hmm. know, as far as the cinematic martial arts go. Um, and also, uh, Kehu Kwan, uh, who we we mentioned was he played short round in uh, Temple of Doom and has returned to the American screen at least. Uh, one of the things that he was doing when we weren't seeing him is, is he was concentrating in martial arts and doing film work with martial arts uh, and choreographing that, yeah. and it's very yeah. apparent here. So you get some very professional people that can really convey these amazing fight sequences without relying on, on anything like like CGI. It also features the legendary James Hong, yeah. who yes. sort of got at 93. The, he steals every scene he has. Like Even when he's just playing a smaller version of his character, when his character gets to open up through the multiverse, it's just – he's just having the best time with this. It's such a great role for him. Oh, my god, He's 93 damn years old. It's, it's, it's incredible. <laughs> like – he did a recent interview where he was just like, oh, yeah, the wheelchair's a prop. Yeah, I, I get up. I do a lot of martial arts myself. Yeah. And, oh, did I mention I'm directing and <laughs> acting in my next project? And it's just like, God fucking bless you, dude. He does not look 93. This is a great ensemble cast. We barely touched on Jamie Lee Curtis's oh. involvement mm. in here. But for me, the, the real standout might be uh, Stephanie Hsu, who plays the daughter Joy. You know, she is a typical American teenager. She's sort of morose. She has come out recently as gay to her mother, who is not really crazy about the idea. Typical mother-teenager tension. This is also exacerbated by the fact that her father, James Hong, has recently visited from China and... You know, she's really worried about him because he's very stern and disapproving. And you don't talk about gay shit in front of grandpa. He could have a heart attack. (laughs) That relationship between the mother and daughter is really, really strong in this. And watching these two different versions of these women, mother and daughter, across different universes, 
trying to get to know one another and, and in ways that I can't get into because of the plot it is really so rewarding. I've never seen Stephanie Hsu and other things. I know she's been in stuff. Uh, she was in uh, Fabulous Mrs. Maisel. Uh, she was in the Aquafina TV series. She was in Shang-Chi. Uh, so she's worked with Aquafina. She was in Shang-Chi. Who was originally cast in this role, but... You know, for whatever reason, she couldn't commit to the project. And good for Stephanie Hsu, because this really is her breakout role. She's fantastic in this. Yeah, she's been coming up the pike, but she doesn't even have a Wikipedia page. You know, she she's, yeah, like, I think this is going to be a, a bit of a breakout for her. Mm-hmm. It may be bigger than even indie movie breakout, because I, I really do think that this is going to kind of word of mouth into one of those, like, movies that should be an indie movie, but people end up telling us, like, oh, you got to go see this. Um, I kind of have high hopes yeah, for this. Yeah, it's going to end up in its own special mm-hmm. category. I kind of have high hopes for this uh, yeah. film's performance. I do, too. Because I, I really think it is, you know, for better or for worse, however you want to take this word, it's ingratiating. You know, it really brings you in and makes you feel for it. Yeah, Bo is absolutely right when he said this was accessible. The phrase instant cult classic gets thrown around a lot. I don't like to use it very often myself. And the fact of the matter is cults take time to develop. Mm -hmm. I don't think this has to be a cult classic. I think this could just be a classic. I don't think this is a movie that's going to take 20 years to find an audience. Based on the early word of mouth that's happening, uh, it's getting a lot of buzz. Like I said, it has a lot of art house elements, but it also has a lot of stuff you would expect to see in a mainstream tentpole as well. Plenty of action, eye-popping visuals, and a scrambled multiversal storyline. I think this is that rare sort of art house film that could cross over into mainstream success, and I really hope that it does. And it's beautiful in so many ways, even outside of just what you picture of the movie. I mean, the poster is gorgeous. Like, if you look at that poster and you're like, that draws you in, go see this movie. And the soundtrack just scores it beautifully. And I was looking at this here on Wikipedia. It has the weirdest combination of people. David Byrne, Andre 3000 on flute, <laughs> Randy Newman, like, and you wouldn't, like, it sounds like it's the weirdest that's assembly. Is, that's very apropos for this movie. Yeah. If you're a, a young uh, indie music fan like I am, <laughs> uh, it also has Mitski on it, who's uh, kind of the new hotness. Um, and the, the the whole thing is done by, uh, oh God, I, I want to say Sunvolt, and that's not it. <laughs> but uh, yeah, the, the, the people doing the soundtrack, like, have, it's actually a, I think, a 49 track, uh, Sun Lux. It's the name of the band. It's 49 mm. tracks, uh, and it will be released uh, next month. And I'm probably going to be downloading that, motherfucker. Wow. It, it's yeah, I can't really wait. It's stuff. <laughs> gorgeous. The, the first single that's come out, yeah. which is a, a a duet between Mitski and David Byrne, is just chef's kiss. So good. And, and Randy Newman shows up in this, and you know when you hear it, I, even in the theater, I thought... Wow, that's someone's doing a pretty passable rendition of Randy Newman. I'm like, oh no, that's that's him. And where? And I won't even tell you where it is because it's a great little gag. This movie's just chock full of great little gags. Uh, I think it's going to really appeal to cinephiles and just the average Joe who likes action and multiverse stories, and probably to those members of your family and your friend group who don't particularly like sci-fi but like. You know, like warm domestic dramas and, you know, family comedies. This has a little bit of everything for everyone all at once. <laughs> but before we go too much further, I want to start rolling into our final thoughts because we could be here t- 
all night about how fantastic this movie is. Let's go and start off with Frank, please. Uh, I agree with you, and I agree with everyone, uh, with everything everyone said um, at different times. All at once. I think all at once, yeah. Uh, sometimes all at once. But I I do think that this is, this is going to be the movie to watch that people are actively going to go and seek. I don't know. I really... Do, kind of bounce off what you said marco i really don't know anyone i cannot recommend this to it might take some people a little bit a little bit of time to get with this movie's specific rhythm because it is a very specific rhythm but i think everybody will i mean it's impossible not to in the end i'm not one of those people that likes that needs to see themselves reflected on the screen i don't need to see my you know my social experience um on there I want to know about other people's um, and I really loved that we got to see this woman's perspective, her life perspective and everything that led her up to this point. I think that was really, really so special. And I think what's even more special is within that to find the universality of, um, of emotion and that human connection um, that we muddle, we forget along the way, uh, we take for granted. This movie does every, all of that so well. It's, it's kind of reminded me of Paul Oster a little bit. Uh, if anyone ever read Paul Oster, the postmodernist yeah, yeah. um, fiction writer, yeah, if you ever read the New York Trilogy, yeah, it's all about the choices we make and fate and destiny and the roads we didn't take, basically. This is great. This is amazing. I tried to find a standout performance, and I really couldn't. But obviously, besides Michelle Yeoh, um, like even Jamie Lee Curtis, who's playing um, what seems to be such a caricature person, ends up being someone that that has her own real human moment in the end. I, I can't recommend this enough. This is so enriching and enlightening and inspiring and entertaining. Yes, it is. It's hella entertaining too. And hey, what well, do you know? You know, movie can be all those things at once. That's pretty cool. So I am gonna give this. Um, I had no notes. I had no. Com- I had nothing I wanted to change. Nothing I wanted more of or less of. So I'm gonna give this ten out of ten lyrics to um, absolutely story of a girl that you just just you just insert into your script because I don't know if anybody else caught, caught that. Yeah, I but, did, and I know, laughed so hard right? at them. Yes, me too. <laughs> so ten out of ten lyrics of random one hit wonder songs that um, you just pick up. I too like to take the road less traveled. But I get in trouble because that involves driving over people's property. Uh, apparently, those don't count as roads. I think that's bullshit. But hey, who am I to argue? Bo, what are your final thoughts, sir? Um, yeah, I would just like to say up front that this movie is a lot of fun. Uh, you're going to laugh a lot. It's probably one of the best comedies I've seen in a while. This made me laugh mm. out loud more than anything I've seen in, in a great while. It's definitely already one of my faves of this year. I hope it goes on to, to great success, and I, I, I think this has a lot of mainstream appeal. I hope uh, it finds that broad audience that it deserves. Just great performances. We've obviously talked about uh, Michelle Yao and uh, QA1. Uh, I, I think, yeah, I, I was amazingly impressed by Jamie Lee Curtis, who is a wonderful actress, and she just kind of let herself fade into the background in a lot of scenes, which, um, you know, a lot of actresses of her caliber and who have been performing as long as she have would not have the guts to do. Kudos to her. Everybody just really comes together to form this this wonderful ensemble, and they they lift you up past any of the uh, weirdness that is a huge aspect of this movie. But they lift you up so much that you're just like, man, I, I bring on the weirdness. I'm I'm having a lot of fun. This is definitely one of the most enjoyable movies I've seen in a while. 
I don't do this very often, but I am going to give it uh, ten fanny packs full of gravel out of ten. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Ben, what are your final thoughts, sir? You know, I don't want to rehash everything we said, so I will just add on to Bose about Jamie Lee Curtis that – Jamie Lee Curtis fades in the background, and then there's moments where she peers back in the movie, and they are just – you can almost hear the audience. An audience full of critics basically want to just like cheer about how she shows back up. It just commits hardest to the weirdest scenes that starts showing up later in this movie. It's just such a joy, just such a journey of weirdness, but it's not like too weird, like – you know, Bo, you brought up Sorry to Bother You earlier, and I adore that movie for how just absolutely insane that gets. And I feel like this movie can both get weirder than that, but also still feel so much more grounded than that. It's it's the most approachably odd and creative film I think I've seen in years. It hits so many notes for me. I I don't want to just belabor the point. We, we clearly absolutely love this movie. I'm going to give it... 10 out of 10 black holes I want to put locks on. <laughs> I'm glad you brought up Sorry to Bother You because this does have that kind of holy fuck, what what the hell just happened kind of moments in it. But this has way more. I think the big difference is that movie is definitely trying to be provocative and even get you angry at times. The Daniels are coming at this with a much lighter touch. This is much more accessible. This this is like a warm hug of a movie without ever succumbing to treacly sentimentality or just some kind of cheap melodrama that we all see coming. It earns those tears. It earns those ah moments and wedges them in between scenes that are just so completely batshit. You kind of just immediately want to rewind them and like, well, did I just see what I thought I just saw? It It is insane but in the best possible way, and it also has just a great heart. It's a lot of movie. It's over. Two, it's almost two and a half hours. I was never once bored. I did get a little tired at times, though. It can be almost exhausting if you have a limited attention span, and maybe I was just a little tired this evening, but I can't wait to see it again to see if my uh, assessment changes. Either way, this is already going to be my best of the year, I predict. I'm going to give this nine and a half out of ten hot dog fingers because oh boy those looked delicious and disturbing right. all at the That's same like, time somebody was gonna go with hot dogs i was like don't pick hot dogs don't pick hot dogs only 9.5 out of 10 marco did you get some raccoon fur in your hibachi <laughs> i you you broke the streak oh. I, i'm not gonna spoil anything but nobody went for the obvious one and nope. i i applaud you all uh, well. <laughs> I was definitely not going to go yeah, there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you, you will have to discover that for yourselves, children. This is an R-rated film, mind you. So. 10 out of 10 Pixar lawsuits pending. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, you know, it's time to go out of this multiverse back into the bland, boring one we all live in. I'm sure there's a multiverse <laughs> where somebody doesn't like this movie. It sounds like they're living in the worst timeline but at least in that multiverse, if you stick around through the end credits, you might see a post-credit stinger with Michael Keaton as Batman. 